And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch. From growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Speaking of growing, have you ever heard of pickleball? I hadn't a few years ago. Apparently, it's the fastest growing sport in America. And with that, you have all of these sports facilities coming up, pickleball facilities. People are nuts for pickleball. So we're going to talk about that today with one of Kansas City's top startups. Before I introduce today's guest, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Go to Fullscale.io to learn more. That's my business if you didn't know and we love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. Just head on over to Fullscale.io, fill out that form. Seriously, it takes two minutes. We love helping people find solutions. With me today, I have Luke Wade, and Luke is the founder and CEO of Facility Ally. You can go to facilityally.com. Just click that link in the show notes, people. It's so much easier than trying to spell tough words like facility, man. <laughs> like, you know, anyway, Luke, you know, you've been on the show before, and uh, we have a little bit of internal uh, connection here. Because I'm an investor as at, well, full scale as an investor in your software platform. And we've been working on this thing for a long time. So I do want to point out that had nothing to do with Luke and Facility Ally making our list of Kansas City's top startups, fresh funding, fresh support, fresh everything. So Luke, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. And like you said, thanks for the years and years of support. <laughs> Everybody says, oh, you're an overnight success. And they just forget about the other five, six years that you've been hustling to do it all. So thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thanks for being on. And, you know, we're going to talk about pickleball and that. But, you know, we started this thing about six months before a pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we finished it in the worst time to open a facility software yeah. platform when no facility yeah. was open or needing software. So yeah. talk, talk about a delay. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a rough go there. Um, but everybody kind of went through a rough time there. So we came out, came out thriving. And uh, it's been an awesome last two years. Yeah, I think that that whole thing kind of proved that your business plan is always wrong. Yes. Yep. Uh, that was definitely something you can't predict or put into any sort of forecast or budget at all. <laughs> well, you've been on the show before and, and here in Kansas City, that's our hometown, the hometown startup hustle. You have uh, created quite a business around KC Crew, which was sports leagues and stuff, which led to the need for league management. And then we made some other stuff. And, you know, like, I mean, I think the backstory would be a little easier to tell if, if you were the one to tell it. Yeah. So let's, let's jump right into that. Yeah. So Casey crew about 10 years ago, I, um, I started a softball league for me and my friends. I moved to Kansas city, didn't really know anybody. I was about 27 years old and, uh, rented a field, told some friends, built a little bit of a software to manage a registration. And next thing you know, we had a thousand people sign up three years later, 3000 people. Now we are, here we are 10 years later and we have over 20,000 people that 
play all over Kansas City and all of our sports leagues through KC Crew. But how do you manage such a thing? It's extremely difficult. Registration, waivers, courts, fields, schedules, standings. I mean, it goes on and on and on on managing leagues and facilities. And so my background software development, I decided to create something that could help me do that. And here we are 10 years later, we finally have another business that's really taken off and running. Yeah. And the, you know, the backstory with that as well is, you know, you had actually become a client of full scale. And a few months into that, you know, you and I talking, uh, me being the founder of Gigabook, I was like, you know what, we could clone this and turn it into facility management. It was, it's not quite that straightforward. Um, there's a lot to, to, to occur to make that happen, but we decided to, to mush two platforms together and have a, a two-headed snake and got some support and some investors and then a pandemic hit and we played uh let's try to survive yep for a couple of years but now onward and upward yeah i mean full transparency you know i'm a developer myself and so when i went to build a solution that was a SaaS model i really didn't know what i was doing and i went through multiple development firms struggling along the way which is even more frustrating considering i'm a developer so when i found you guys it was literally you know, everybody had met up to that point was like, you got to rebuild the whole thing. You got to rebuild the whole thing. It was developer after development company telling me that. And when I met with you guys at full scale, it was, you don't have to rebuild this. We can patch it. We can make it better. We can, we can mold it and make it fit and work. And not only did we do that, but we came out with something really great on the other side. So, uh, full scale has been, been our team for the last six years. So yeah. thank you. Five, 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 years. five. There we go. Five years. Still, yeah. <laughs> and that's about how old the company is, but yeah, it's been around for a while. So now we talk about let's let's kind of shift gears for a second because I, I got everyone excited about pickleball and everyone's playing it. Like, what is pickleball? Yeah, so pickleball, a lot of people say is like a hybrid between ping pong and tennis. Um, it's basically, uh, you know, it's, it's got a wiffle ball that really is a harder with holes and different holes, shorter court plays two on two. You can also play skinny singles, but it's, uh, it's actually really, really fun. I'm kind of obsessed with it myself nowadays. Um, and what's cool about it is anybody, any age, any gender, um, can really play and be good and, and have fun with other people. And so, uh, it started in, uh, um, like the older communities, but now it's way past that. Everybody is playing, uh, Casey crew is an example. When we first, uh, started six years ago with pickleball we only had about 60 teams in 2021 we had 320 teams and 2022 we had almost 700 teams just for pickleball and that's been a that's been a driver of facility ally because a lot of the pickleball facilities and here in Can i don't know wherever you're listening i don't know if pickleballs is popular there it probably is but there's like huge facilities and businesses opening up that are dedicated just to pickleball so there's something to it. It's not going away anytime soon. You know, gone are the days of going to a bar or restaurant, having a, a dinner and drink, watching TV. People want to be socially active. They want to be moving around and doing stuff while they're eating and drinking or have the option to be active. And it's just a younger generation for a lot of reasons. But yeah, pickleball is a way to do that. And now, like you said, you've got huge facilities, really cool things. Again, Thank you, Kansas City. Chicken and Pickle started here. It's expanded. They're in eight different cities, and they're doubling hmm. again this year. Um, you got facilities all over the country, essentially, opening restaurants with pickleball courts around them. Well, again, how do you manage all of that? How do you, do, do you program it? How do you manage the events, the waivers? It just goes on and on. But at the end of the day, it's a great option for social fun and healthy fun, um, and which is why our software is here, to help you manage that and so that you can stick with the fun and not have to worry about all the bookings and all the nightmares around managing a facility. Well, uh, Facility Ally does more than just pickleball. I mean, any facility can be, and obviously I, I'm very aware of its <laughs> capability because 
once again, you look at something like Gigabook, which was, you know, I started Gigabook eight years ago and it hasn't been the focus of, of what I've done. It's I, it, Gigabook has always been like, almost like the girlfriend and never the wife, <laughs> you know, as, as bad as that might sound, it's just, uh, it's always been kind of sidecar. It was, it finally got to sit in the front seat and then full scale started. And, you know, next thing you know, we got 300 employees and, and with that, it was, it was exciting for me to, to find more use cases for it. Now, one of the issues that people have with booking is if you have a big facility, it's like, how do you maximize your space? How do you make, you know, Amazon's changed the world in regards that people expect online solutions. Like no one wants to call. <laughs> hey, do I, do you have a court? Nope. How about four? <laughs> well, hang on. Let me call all my friends. Yep. And, you know, that was the reason I started Gigabook. It was, uh, you know, we did some things well and we did some things not well. Gigabook came out right around the same time Calendly did. And I remember saying, oh, free me. We're not giving it away for free. That might have been a bad decision <laughs> looking at how well Calendly did later. But but the niche that it filled was that it was fully customizable. Now, um, League Ally is, or excuse me, Facility Ally. Um, it, so League Ally was the league software. And Correct. It, it's funny. We talk about having two different software platforms now working hard to get them back into one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It all started with League Ally because that was the need when I built KC Crew and I had it and it was great for five years. But like you said, after I mean, I started working with 50 to 100 different facilities, I'm getting double booked. I'm having to call for fields and court rentals. And it's just, I realized how bad it was. And so that's when Facility Ally came into play. Um, you know, Hyvee Arena was opening and we were meeting with them and they really needed something to manage their facility. And so I already had the League system, League Ally. They were like, we need something for our facility. And I already had a bunch of ideas because these facilities we were working with just weren't getting it. They were writing it on paper. They were putting in a Google calendar. They're using six different software. So we came out with Facility Ally to help Hive Arena and now it's gone so much further. But you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, everybody needs an all-in-one solution. So we said, we can't go out with two. We need to get it all in one. So that's where Facility Ally brings in leagues and all the other things as well. Yeah. So Hive Arena, we've done an episode with the guy who rebuilt that. That was at one point Kansas City's premier event place like for concerts and stuff like that um you know michael jackson wwe the final four yep tournament before they did it in football stadiums was here in kansas city and um or at least several years and you know then the the facility fell into disrepair and a guy named steve fouch who's also our partner at, at facility ally uh, bought it, spent 50, a, a, a small $50 million upgrade <laughs> for it. But then the next issue was, is there's all these, all this stuff, all these courts, everything from like uh, lanes to gems to rooms and, you know, like all that. Yep. So how do you keep track of that? Yeah. 12 basketball courts, 12 volleyball courts, 24 pickleball courts, eight suites, track lanes. I mean, you just gym memberships. I mean, how do you manage all that in one? And, and there isn't one. And so that's, again, yeah. where facility alley comes in. Yeah. And there, you know, there's, these kind of things are tricky. I think the one thing that I learned when it comes to booking and just like space management is man, it's it from the outside looking in, it feels simple. <laughs> And then you realize it is far from it. Yeah. Putting something on and off of a calendar, not that hard. It's the 10 million if thens and all those paths that can go down. Like you mentioned, like, does it need a waiver? Does this person have a membership? Uh, Things like a deposit. Uh, You've got billing, invoicing, notifications, reminders, uh, potentially like group. 
stuff. Yeah, and then you got, and you can't, if you only have room for 10 people, then you can't book 15 people or you're going to have five people that are mad. And then wait, well, what, what if you need to have a coach that matches up with a certain type of other thing? Like I always use the, the baseball Academy as a good reminder. If there's five pitching machines and you have 10 hitting coaches, really only five of them can be teaching a private lesson at that time. Yep. So, you know, these things get really complex and you talk about integrations with other calendars because that's a must and payment processors and yep. man, entrepreneurs that have so many payment processors, dude, there's like thousands of them. And the big issue is, I mean, there's so many different softwares out there that aren't really doing it very well. And the other side of it is most people opening these facilities, there's no school to go to to run a sports facility. There's no place that you go to to run leagues the best way or clinics or lessons. And so you just learn from doing it. And so when someone opens a new pickleball facility, they think it's just like any other restaurant or any other facility they've owned before. And when you add the activity of sports and soccer and baseball and training and lessons to it, it's not the same. You got all this demand and no way to really manage it. And so uh, if you don't go to school for that, or you don't go to the school of life of managing these sports, then you don't know how to do it. Um, and that's, I think the biggest problem is people open these things, don't know how to manage it. And that's where we come in to help them. I think another thing that a lot of people don't think about is that, you know, parks and recs in these departments, they're strapped for cash, man. They need efficiency. Having a full-time employee that just does just fills out spots on a calendar isn't a great use of time. And then, you know, that same person, you know, is out like, you know, putting chalk lines <laughs> on a field or, or yep. turning off the, turning the lights back on when some smart ass little kids turn the switch off, you yep. know, just stuff like that. And it's, it's also what's, what kind of employee are you going to get yep. at those places? Cause I used to work for the parks and rec department when I was like 20. I didn't know that. I worked, actually, I started when I was 13. I was a, <laughs> wow. a, a T-ball umpire and quickly rose. I was doing high school games while I was still in high school. So I umpired and did other stuff. I worked for the YMCA at one point. I did a lot of, of goofy stuff like that. And I was a marginal employee at best. <laughs> I was a great official, <laughs> but outside of that, I wasn't, I mean, cause I was 20 at some point, yep. you know, I mean, I realistically, I was I, my mind was on chasing girls and drinking natural light <laughs> with, my, with my friends, you know, was, yep. I'm so old. That was back when a case of natural light was like five bucks. Well, people are still drinking it. So you're not, that they old. are, they are. It's no longer $5 a case. Though, uh, yeah. Natty light. If you want to sponsor a uh, startup hustle, or there you go. Full scale. <laughs> Man, I, I, you know, we do have a thing. You've been invited for sure. Uh, it's a fictional club. We call it tears and beers. Okay. It's a place where entrepreneurs, it's a safe space, Luke. It's where if you want to just come and curl up in the corner and cry or get drunk or get drunk and cry, you can do any combo. Yep. I could, there's no real order of operations that comes out. It would most likely be a drunk cry for me, for sure. I mean, it happens. <laughs> well, let's talk about that for a second. Cause, um, you just brought in a, a big round of funding, $700,000, uh, which, I think for this whole project was remarkably validating. Yeah. And I said to you at some point, I was like, well, congratulations, man. And thanks for not quitting. You said to me, you said, was that an option? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, I'm a, 
I'm been blessed. I'm very lucky to have support all around me, but yeah, you know, we've been working on this for, I've been working on this for 10 years and, you know, Casey crew has had its ups and downs over 10 years as every business does, but it's really been dragging along league ally and facility ally for five or six years. You know, I, I put a lot of my own money into this. I went to a lot of debt. I haven't paid myself a lot. You know, I, I, believed in it and being a software guy and a sports guy, I just, I saw the opportunity and the need and, you know, a lot of people probably would have given up, you know, after putting all this money in and not really seeing the return so quickly after five, six, really 10 years. And so, yeah, uh, it was very validating. A lot of your help um, last year on figuring out how to raise money. I'm a computer software nerd that has never gone to business school. So not knowing a lot of those things was my biggest challenge. You were a big support there. And then Kansas City, really, all the money came from here. So uh, there's been a lot of talk about no money in Kansas City, really, for small businesses. And I was excited to get all the money from Kansas City in the support here. So yeah, it was really, really challenging. Last year, I really did feel like giving up. I didn't think it was an option, but man, the thought definitely crossed my mind. And it was right at the end of the year, the money came through and the investors came through and, uh, you know, feels really good. The timing did suck. <laughs> I mean, it did. Yeah, it did. We worked on it for a while and then it was like, Hey, we could launch this thing. Pandemic comes, throws everything for a loop, yep. kind of changed investor roles and just did a lot of stuff. And you know, that that's uh, so so when it came to let, I want to prove out a couple theories here. So first off, none of that money came from from, well, we weren't going to Google and find the places It came from angel and private equity type yep. people. And that's I've talked a lot about that because a lot of people say, well, there's not enough funding. There's not enough things going on. You did a lot of work. You talked to a lot of people. There was a lot of a lot of chatter and <laughs> a lot of me maybe sounding like a pessimist on Sunday. I'm like, yeah, but you know, we got to really drive this home and and prepare and be ready for this. And you know, it's not until the money is in our bank account. Yep. It's not a real thing, but you had to talk to a lot of people, right? Yeah. And I think that was the problem in the beginning for me is, you know, you see, you see Shark Tank, you see all these things where it's like, everybody thinks you just start a business and you go raise money and people are just throwing money at you. And, and that is not the case at all. I spent an entire year talking to every person under the sun that possibly could put money in. You know, I did unfortunately start with VC firms and thought that was the route to go and, you know, really figured out what the, what the contacts were, were people who understood the space because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't consider myself a sales guy. I'm the hustler. I like to bootstrap. I like to get things done. Um, but you, you know, so it makes, that makes it really hard when you're going out asking for money. He's like, I, I don't want to ask for money. I want to just get stuff done. But when you have the money and you see the vision and you see where it can go, it makes more sense to get that. And especially with strategic partners, everyone that came on from you to Steve Fouch to the other investors that just invested were strategic developers, salespeople who've done software things before that made sense for me. And so we've really built a great team here and it wasn't just, here's your money, go, go run a business. When it comes to the like the VCs and funds like that, this this was a weird what it, kind of a weird play for them because there's stuff out. It's easy to look at this space and get responses like, "What's well, a crowded space?" There's other people doing this. You're competing with Mind Body, and I'm having a flashbacks. Don't say it anymore. Yeah, it's tr trigger <laughs> warning, trigger warning. But but it's true, and and that's you know some of that stuff comes up, but that doesn't mean that there aren't people that are interested. And, and in many ways it worked, it did work out because you know, I'm not, not going to get into too many you know, details here, but having people that understand what you want to do, how you're doing it, strategic partners, 
in many ways is going to, I think that's going to end up better for you and the business than it would have to just take XYZ Capital's check. Oh, 100%. Um, this, these last investors kind of put me through the ringer on my finances, my forecasting, my burn, everything like that I'm actually not very good at. And so it helped me learn so much more about the business and really realize like, well, when are you going to run out of money? How much money do you actually need? I mean, again, all great questions that I needed to find out. And so that really helped me with these investors knowing like these guys really want this to succeed because they're asking the right questions. They're pointing me in the right direction. And so as much as challenging as it was, is like, man, waiting on the money to hit the account, I had to jump through all these hoops. At the end of the day, it was, it was totally worth it for sure. Speaking of finding things, finding expert software developers, it doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Go to fullscale.io to learn more. Now, speaking of learning things, um, I mean, you had to learn a lot. We did pitch school <laughs> and some other stuff a few different times. Yep. and and. Oh man, you probably have a love hate relationship with me on some of those days because some of that stuff's tough, you know. Yeah. And that was, uh, let's talk about a few of the things that you learned. Okay, so here you are post funding, and we talked about this for a long time. What are a couple things that you had to get way better at? Now, looking back at it, you're like, shit, if I wouldn't have done that, yep. we might have a different story. Well, I'm going to steal what you you said earlier uh, is lead with the need. You know, I, I think I used to start off with a bunch, start the whole conversation and everything off with nothing that really related to the people I was talking to. And so a lot of times they would just zone out. So when I started finding the right people who understood the problem and I led with what we were doing to solve it and talking about that, that really helped change the conversation. And it also helped me find immediately who, whether I was talking to the right person or not, when I started leading with this need and here's the problem and asking questions, you know, I've realized whether they understood the problem or not. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, pitching, very short pitching, um, meeting, you know, meeting the right people at the end of the day, it's, you want to meet with the people who understand the problem just because they have money doesn't mean they're going to give it to you. And most likely if they don't understand the problem, they're probably not going to give you money because they don't get it. And so I think, like I said in the beginning, you know, when I started out with VCs, they gave me all the things you said, you're, you're early, this is a crowded space, like all those things. But when I met with people who own facilities or worked with facility management people, they immediately saw the need and the conversation completely changed. Um, so that was definitely a uh, eye opening of a, uh, pitching, like he said, we had pitch school here and I did it in front of like six of your employees and everybody's giving me feedback and I, we changed a bunch of times and yeah, it's hard just like any business running any business. And so, you know, rip the bandaid off, do it, get it done because at the end of the day, you're going to be better for it when you finish it. I've done that, that pitch coaching to, with a lot of people and they go home and have nightmares shorter, <laughs> faster, say it faster, yep. less words, yep. get to the point. Stop saying, um, you yeah. say, um, all yeah. The time. <laughs> yeah, again, stop again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what life uh, what is like around me when the microphone's not on. Sometimes the microphone's on on that. We actually had a, you know, where Startup Hustle has a partnership with the Kansas City Economic Development Corporation, and they actually send their grant recipients over here for pitch coaching. So the elevator pitch, and there's a video up on our social where we actually did the pitch coaching with them, and then they had to give their elevator pitch and our elevator on the ride down to the main floor. So we saw if it worked. That's awesome. Yeah, but that's the thing is, is 
I, I, I have gained, so I've been down that road that you mentioned and I remember, so it was, I went, I was entertaining getting investors for Gigabook years ago and I hired this dude from New York that was basically going to be my coach and he came in and beat all that shit into my head and I hated it. I hated it. And I look back at it and I find myself repeating a lot of what he said, which is, you know, basically that lead with the need, like what's the problem you solve. And then you got to keep in mind, one of the problems you have to solve is convincing investors that they're going to get a return on their money. Yep. And that was, yeah, that was, I that's think that's a real problem that needs to problem. be in your pitch yep. and in your deck. Yep. How are they going to yep. get their money back? Why would they invest? You yep. know, all those things. And there's little things, man, there are, there is 10 million different things. I remember at one point and we're just kind of chuckling. Do you remember all the website revisions? Oh, yeah. and you were like, do we really need to do this before I, yes, yes. All of them and probably more. Yep. Yeah, I do remember that. It was well, some of that was about the presentation because the thing is, is back to that whole idea of if then, and like where does okay putting getting someone to maybe pay attention for a couple minutes is hard enough. Keeping their attention yeah. past that, there's a lot of stuff that can derail that. Yep. And and if they have a question and you don't have an answer, I mean that's yeah. a lot of times that's it. You know, it could be do. one question. And there are a lot of things that you can say. I, you know, I I went in years ago just started full scale, I went and talked to someone important, we'll leave it at that. And I was in this meeting and I said, well, we don't really need the money. And the guy was like, well, that's always where we end our meetings. And I was like, wow. Okay. And I get it. So why are you here? You don't need it. Why are you here? Yeah. And I never did that again. <laughs> what was the answer? Uh, I mean, did you have an answer of like, no, well, I was like, all right. So, you know, I mean, that's, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. Like when you're out pitching, you're almost certainly going to be in front of like type A alpha kind of people. And they are, uh, that's that thick skin. Did you have to develop some thick skin? Oh yeah. Uh, luckily I went, I joined the military when I was 17. So yep. I, and I was played football and wrestling. And so I've, I've gotten some pretty thick skin over time, but you know, there's definitely things that hurt from time to time. But, you know, I think that is probably the hardest part is when you do believe in what you have so much and you just get no after no, after no, after Everyone's no. Everyone's your baby's yeah, ugly. Like, yeah. It's just your like, baby's ugly. Man, like this how, the ugliest how, baby I've ever seen. How long can you really believe in it after you've been told no you so many times? You shouldn't even be making babies. Yeah. You're like, yeah. God, I know my baby's beautiful, right? Yep. And, and to be honest, some of the, you know, I think part of the reason that I did get this successful investment is that they saw that I was already successful. They saw that I took a softball league and turned it into a giant organization for mm-hmm. the last 10 years. And so I've already had success. And And you hear this, I, I think a lot of people hear this is they're betting on the jockey, you know, not the horse. And so uh, I think that was pretty clear when, when several of the investors were telling me like, we believe in you. And I think that's one of the things you've always said is like, you're the guy, you can make it successful, whatever yes. it is. I, I believe you were in the you. jockey. You heard that. You <laughs> almost certainly heard me say that a bunch. <laughs> Because I say that a bunch on the show. I actually just did a post on LinkedIn about something similar. I have asked a ton of people on and off this show what make jockey or horse, and no one's ever picked the horse. Because mm-hmm. without it, without a good founder or founding team, eh, great ideas are garbage. Yep. You know, and now you still have to have a good idea. <laughs> Execution is key, though. But, for sure. but there's a big thing with that, and like part of what what attracted me to wanting to participate in this was, I mean, yeah, it was opportunistic in a lot of ways. Now on, I saw your passion for what you were doing and man, the, the momentum and the number of people that were,
are involved with KC Crew and its sports league is, is substantial. You're talking about 20,000 people. Dude. That, that is more people than attended the largest indoor concert in Kansas City over the last five years. I mean, that's, that's an arena's worth of people. <laughs> you think about that. That's a that, cool perspective. Dude, that's a lot. I mean, that's yeah. all. It was Metallica, by the way. <laughs> we have the local venues, the Sprint Center, now the T-Mobile Center. And it had like 19,000 and change. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, but, but for real, like yeah. that's a lot of people. If you look at things in, in terms of scale. And, and so I'm sitting here thinking, okay, there's, there's cred there. But the main thing was you understand the problem that needs to be solved. And I find that that is so much more relatable when you go out and talk to other people because you get it. So there were, uh, there's been other competitive software out for a while and everyone hates it. Yep. And you know why? Yep. And it makes it easy. Now, if I go out and do, I, I might be able to go out and do it because I understand the woes and pains of booking. But you get past some of that. And like, what's your familiarity with the space? Yep. And, I, and having a grasp on the solution that needs to occur from, from an empathetic angle I think it just makes a better solution. Did you find that when you went and talked to other people about it, they're like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. When we, when I say, you know, most facilities are using four to eight different softwares to manage it. Everybody's like, yeah, we've got this and this and this. And, and so I think the other benefit is that, you know, I've done this for 10 years. I've helped facilities fill spaces and gaps and start pickup programs and tournaments and leagues. And so I really understand how you can fill things for facilities. A lot of times they're paying me to do it. So when I come into them, I'm like, look, you should be doing this. Well, here's the software that will manage it so that you can focus more on growing it rather than worrying about emails about booking your courts. Um, and so I think me knowing the problems and actually finding solutions before I work with a facility has been a huge lead because when I demo nowadays, a lot of times I'm consulting in the meantime, I'm like, well, I see other facilities doing X, Y, and Z. And like, what are you trying to do? And so it takes all this years of expertise that I've built up on doing it myself. And I'm just helping other people doing it and giving them the solution to manage it. You know, one of the things that, you know, a booking engine, it's not an easy thing to build. <laughs> it really isn't. And, you know, that's, that's, I look back at, all the scheduling stuff. So Gigabook has become, uh, it's, we basically merged that with FullScale's platform. It handles thousands of applicants. It handles lots of interviews. And like, I mean, it, it, it does so much internal stuff for us and the organizational value that it's created and just efficiency. I mean, man, you ever find yourself doing something that's still archaic and you're like, I'll just go somewhere else. Yep. And, so, and that's the reality of the world that, that we're in. And, you know, the, the there's, it's weird. I felt like that whole space was really crowded. Now it doesn't feel as crowded because everything's got to be online. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of solutions out there that do one or two things very well, but if you're talking about a giant facility like hy Arena, they need more than one or two things done very yeah. well. Um, they need everything done very well. When you get to do with Facility Ally, what, you know, the, being able to niche something down, because Gigabook is super freaking general. Like that's, and that's where the, the, like I say, getting it as a niche, you have a better chance as a software founder. You look at the, the more customized. So sometimes people reach out, they'll be like, hey, I, I have a cousin who's a hairstylist. I think they might like using Gigabook. I'm like, don't tell them not to. 
Because there's like five things out there that are that are, I say niched down. Like you have to shorten this path of getting people set up and understood and like consider who the user is. Yep. And, and that's where that's where that specificity is is great. Now, also you've got to remember to not completely overcomplicate things. Because here's the thing: is software doesn't care if it's booking a basketball court or a running lane or a swimming lane or Ever. Yep. It's kind of the zero and ones. Now, what you do have to do is also make it easy for people to pick these things. Yep. And and with that, have you found that to be a challenge? Because all these different and, and once again, it's not just for sports facilities. Yep. So what do you take in bookings? Yeah. So like you said, riches are in the niches. Like so, if you can niche down, um, that's the key. And so that is a challenge with Facility Ally because, like you said, we're an asset management tool that does invoices, clients, memberships, a bunch of things. But anything could be an asset. A swimming pool could be an asset. So I think our niche is after facilities who have multiple court uses. Yeah. So wouldn't and and soccer soccer complexes can use it. Baseball fields can use it. All of those can definitely use it. Um, but as you said, all, we have a million other features that work really well for people who have multiple things, basketball courts, pickleball courts, memberships, lessons, coaches, clinics, camps. So that's who we're kind of niching after is we're after the kind of sports mega facilities that do yeah. it all. Um, everyone else can use it and they can more than welcome to sign up, but we're kind of after those big ones that yeah. have all the pain of five different softwares and paying out the wazoo and just crazy. And so we're going after them first. Yeah. And that's, you know, you talk about trying to, because, okay, you can take 50 of those facilities and they're probably doing it 50 different ways. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's absolutely. And you're right. like, wow, wow. <laughs> so there's, yep. uh, you know, that said, um, these are problems that I, I think the problem you talk about every good software and every good business solves a problem. And, you know, People get obsessed with selling their features. You should never do that. You always get FAB, features, advantages, and benefits. People buy the benefits. I think the benefit that I found is the most valuable is peace of mind. Yeah, I think double booking was the crazy, like when we would, and this happens to Casey Crew, which is why I started thinking about the software facilities is, you know, Casey Crew would show up to a park and there'd be three people there holding a permit. Everybody had yeah. a permit. Like, how did that even happen? Yeah. Well, it's because they wrote it on a piece of paper and then they wrote the next one down. And so, you know, a facility forgot to write it down and you're get, as a facility manager, you're getting called every day with these issues. Well, if you have something that manages it, then exactly like you said, peace of mind, like no one can double book. We have a system for that. It's all done through this. And so, yeah, peace of mind is definitely a big one. And then you don't, again, automation is going to create sales. It's going to save you time, which equals money. And so um, that's really important too. Let's your, let your employees do things that are more uh, user facing, customer facing, patron facing, however yep. you want to look at it. Also under things that are uh, under peace of mind. I mean, how many business owners feel chained to their business? And you look at, you know, you look at when, when I dealt, got into this space eight years ago, I mean, I was talking to people and they're like, I'm just, it's 24 seven. And while facility allies meant kind of built for things that are bigger at scale, if you look at just business owners in general, they get stuck, man, they're sending text messages. If you're a service provider, like if you're getting a massage and someone stopped four times to like pick up the phone or answer an email, like it's not the vibe you're looking for. So no. that piece, but what happens is the peace of mind goes away when you're like, am I missing business? 
And that's the same thing with these facilities. Yeah. They, um, you know, I can totally relate to that. I definitely was in the every day of Casey group for many, many years. And again, computer programmer guy trying to figure out how to run a business. Um, but luckily was able to learn a lot and figure that out over the last couple of years to automate more things, hire the right people, set them up for success, which has allowed me to pivot and really focus on facility ally. And it, when it comes to facility manager, absolutely right. You know, there's, there's kind of two levels there. You've got the person running the facility every single day and you got the owner writing the check. And so yeah. it's this person feels all the pain, but if they're feeling pain, then the owner's definitely feeling pain because they're hearing about it all the time. And so we essentially are selling it to two different people, the owner uh, who has a checkbook and they're worried about that. And then the person actually managing the facility that just needs help. And so um, it can get a little challenging to do that. Um, but we have some competitive ways to, to make that a success on both ends. Well, when you look at missing an opportunity, uh, to me, those are the most painful. Like when I miss any opportunity because I'm disorganized or doing something else or I forgot or yep. those are the ones that really are the most painful. Or someone doesn't book because they can't do it on your website. Right. They emailed you three times right. and it was missed and that's a, and you don't even know that happened. <laughs> well, that, I think that's the neat thing about Facility Ally is that it can be placed on any web page. It can be put inside apps. It can, it's going to conform to what you already have. Yep doesn't require you to build a new website or switch to a new platform or any of that stuff because yep. it's just little insertion. Mobile. And if you don't even want to do that, you can just click a link. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The mobile friendly embeddable widget makes it really easy as a marketing guy. I know you are too. You don't want people leaving your website. Nope. 99% of the software out yep. there takes you to a takes new website. Else, so yeah. um, we embed right in there so you can just keep it all there keep the sales on your website. And, and you know, that's a, now you can make changes to what is on the widget and what the options are inside of facility ally. You don't have to be a programmer. You don't have to do different stuff. And yep. like, that's a whole nother thing. Kind of like whatever's <laughs> sounds like we have some, someone's doing construction a drill. Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> they're you coming can, through the you wall. You can always count on, uh, on something <laughs> making a lot of noise at any time when you decide to record a podcast. Yep. So, um, all right. So, you know, Luke, when you look back at this, uh, what, first off, what, like, what was the heart, what's been the hardest thing? I think it's just, you know, a lot of it is years and years of, 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 I guess what you validate as success for me, years of no real revenue or income from a business. And so I, I think it's just more of the will to keep that going is really challenging when, a lot of people don't understand why you're doing it. You haven't really hit the metrics of success defined by other people, which is revenue. And so keeping it going for five to six years, you know, has been a really big challenge because I saw the opportunity and I believed in it, but really didn't get a validation for a very long time. And so that's really hard to do. You can definitely get down. You can definitely, you know, days you want to quit a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, so I think that's probably been the hardest part, you know, Casey crew, we've had ups and downs, but it's been very successful from day one and the software hasn't, it's something I've drug along and revived multiple times. And so I think that's probably been the hardest part is just sticking with it because I believed in it. Yeah. Software is like raising a child. I'm going you through have that a right child now. <laughs> so 17 month right. old and right. I got one on the right. way. Right. So. And that's, that's uh, and congratulations. Thank you. That, that is, I mean, it's real though. When I say software is like raising a child, because when it's young, it falls a lot. It, it shits itself, <laughs> right? It throws up too on much, you. Too much. It doesn't seem to get what you're telling it. Yep. And then it starts to, 
and then it doesn't shit on you <laughs> if you're doing it right. And it really that's is much. like, I, I'm just, be, you know, this is a reality though, because I think a lot of people look at entrepreneurs and like for a lot of people, they're going to look at some announcement that came out about you raising them and they're going to be, man, that came out of nowhere. Yep. It did not. No, not at it all. did not. It was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears and a lot of different stuff that went in. And then, you know, that hanging on thing. Um, and, and I see some people do that too long as well. You know, you can get some people that, that, and that's the, how do you know when, yeah. how do you know when it's too yeah. long? You know, that's when the hard part. When you're broke, <laughs> when you're past broke for some people, I don't know, man, could you get a, could you get a job? I'm, a, I'm unemployable, no, man. I, I'm, like, I mean, for me, I'm all me. in. It's funny when the pandemic shut everything down and shut all the businesses down. My wife was working for Casey Crew as well. So we're both employed by the same company that got shut down and had to fire everyone, uh, let everyone go. And I literally looked at her. I was like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I cannot get a job. Like, I was like, I don't know what to do. Luckily, we figured it out, pivoted. And she actually got a job for one day and did the same thing. Was like, it's like, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real thing. So, yeah. I, I think that it's an important step. Like, make yourself unemployable, you yeah. know. And if, now, you don't necessarily need to do that if you need to hire software engineers, <laughs> testers, and leaders at full scale. You know, we have like, dude. Our 300th employee just started. Congratulations. Talk about these weird scale things. Over 2 million hours of service delivered. That's so awesome. Wow. Well, we appreciate it. I just got two more a couple weeks yeah. ago from you guys. So, well, that's, <laughs> and that's kind of what we do with a lot of folks is you're kind of sitting there and you're, we want to see people win, but I can't, I can't force that. Yep. You know, I can't, you know, I can't make someone fund you. And I don't know. I, I think a lot of you talk about the competition and people doing it the wrong way. You know, we want to help our clients win. If you're not winning, then we don't. That's the one thing I do know. They can't keep hiring you guys and hiring more developers if they're not winning. So our clients grow significantly. And, th and that's a challenge, man. I think you can probably confirm how expensive and difficult it is to find developers in North America because you're competing with Google and Amazon and Yep. Here in Kansas City, we have the second largest healthcare software platform that Oracle bought yep. and Garmin. A ton of media agencies that all, I used to work at a media so agency much. as a developer. And yeah, I know what they get. I got paid and I loved yeah. it. And I, I probably haven't made as much money as I got paid as a developer since then, but it's good. It's give coming. It, give it time. Yeah, that's give right. Time. I, I'm, I prefer the freedom you know, the unemployability. Right. right. Well, you, you, you were in the military and you know, one of the things you'll hear, you know, leaders eat last. That's right. Founders eat last Yes. on many days. It, I wish I was skinnier, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know what, for someone that's been eating last, I'm still really fat. Same I need here. To try to fix that. Same so, here. All right. Well, Luke, thanks again for joining me. Make sure you click the link in the show notes for facilityally.com. We're definitely going to have some more episodes about this, maybe even a few down the road where we just, tell we'd have to do a little more preparation and tell the whole story but yeah i think it was it. a founder's journey from you know like i said when i first met you you were waving a distress flag <laughs> yeah. and not sure like hey do i have to throw all this away and i don't know i hate seeing that occur like let's see if you can fix what you got yep there's there's no especially in the earliest stages there's no awards given for elegance of code <laughs> You know, like I look at it, I'm like, does it work? Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing. And so, I don't know. Please don't build your new software platform in the 19th most popular coding language and then wonder why you can't get help. You didn't do that. No. We get a lot of people that do that. 
that. And I'm like, how did you pick that? I heard it was up and coming. I was like, yeah, in six years, there'll be people worldwide that have experience. <laughs> Get that call a lot, man. People are like, they want someone with 10 years of experience for a framework that's been out for two and a half. I'm sure it'll be popular someday, someday. But trying to find people that have experience with that stuff is a challenge is I think people really, really overcomplicate things. All right. So I end my episodes with founders, with what I call the founders freestyle. I uh, just give my guests a chance to, you know, we can talk about what stood out from the episode. You can do, I don't know, it's a freestyle, man. I've had people rap. I've had people do poetry saying you don't have to do any of those you can if you like but i think it's just a general recap or whatever you'd like to say as we end in today's episode yeah i mean um it's as the startup hustle is is real i mean um i appreciate being on here but it's it's a hustle i mean and if you're out there struggling and you know working hard just listen to this episode it, it's not overnight it's uh, it's also a community you know i'm here because matt full scale all the people around me have helped me uh for the last 10 years uh kansas city is a great community when it comes to those sort of things so you know the the devil's in the details but if you can hustle and you can stick with it and surround yourself with good people you're going to come out on top so uh stick with it uh learn keep learning you always got to keep improving and learning read a book uh, re- listen to the startup hustle, listen to other podcasts and, uh, just stick with it. You got it. I, when I look back at this story and you in general, I see tenacity and like not quitting. I think that, you know, you're, you being an army veteran and a lot of that probably didn't hurt because <laughs> you didn't have to do any pushups. No, not this. today. You didn't Thank have God. to run up any big hills <laughs> with backpacks and boots on and, but, you know, there's, there's, I rarely, if ever, I, I'm like sitting here trying to think about any overnight sensation because they're, they're not Mm-mm. like there's, if you're trying to start a software company, a lot of people have this like, yeah, and I'll exit in two years. No, you won't You'd be lucky if you're generating revenue in two years. Like it can be that bad. Yeah. It took three and a half for gigabook. Let's focus on other things. And a lot of us are. That's the way it goes. And, you know, the thing is, is if you have belief, you got to keep learning. You did. You got to have humility and be humble because this shit is humbling. I mean, I got to <laughs> tell you what, man, if there is one thing that will put you in your place, it's entrepreneurship. And then one thing that's guaranteed to put you in your place is being an entrepreneur that's trying to find investors. <laughs> that's for sure. And I, as you mentioned, I, you know, I, got, I got sent to Iraq when I was 20 years old. And, you know, I think that's where the not giving up comes from. I remember immediately just when I got the call, I'll never forget it. Uh, I just thought, well, here we go. I got to go to Iraq, you know, and I knew other people that immediately thought, how do I get out of this? Yeah. And I didn't think of that. I just thought, man, I signed up for this. This is my duty. It's, I can't, there's no thought that crossed my mind that I wasn't going to go. And I think it just all stems from that, you know, 18 years later, I just don't give up pivoting and changing what you're after isn't giving up. You can always change. You can always do things different. Um, but you know, I think giving up is, is, uh, is not an option. Well, you know, in Sun Tzu's The Art of War, he talks about the importance of finding what you need and making it work in the field. Finding provisions in the field is 10 times more valuable than bringing them there yourself. And I think that's what you did is like, you got to figure it out. It's like I, dude, I didn't, I didn't go to college for entrepreneurship. I dropped out of five colleges, man. (laughs) I learned all that shit on Google and YouTube, and 
I mean, that was really it. I mean, I, and I've done a couple of posts about that recently. Like if you, the solutions out there on the internet, yep. I mean, oh my God, especially now AI and everything <laughs> else. And, you know, yep. I mean, it's out there. You just got to go look for it and you got to go ask for it. And that's a main, a big thing. If you think opportunities and, and, and success are coming to deliver, you're wrong. Yep. Yeah. Are they, are they coming to deliver? <laughs> no. You're, you're like, like, look at the kids chasing the ice cream truck. Okay, come yeah. back. Here. I got 50 cents, man. I yep. want to buy and a I, pop. I think you nailed it too. The humbling is really important because yep. if you go in thinking you know everything, you know, you're, you're definitely going to fail, you know, so trying to learn from everyone around you, everyone that's out there and see how it fits your business. And that's where we're going to end this up. So thanks for joining me, Luke. Thank you so much. Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.